0: Hey, how's everybody doing? So I, I have a question. How long are we planning on going? Like twenty minutes? I just just need to plan it out. Yeah, I think uh, I'd say fourteen. Yeah, fourteen. Okay, so good. Okay, good. <laughs> so what we should do is we should run, run, pass, and stall out after three. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there we go. Well, the worst case scenario occurred. I mean, there were only two options going into Saturday, and that was to either beat Tech or to lose. But you have to admit, the way Georgia lost by being up by 13, and 13 is such a precarious lead to have, is it not? Anyway, but to be up by 13 points with a little over six minutes left before then losing late was the kick in the gut that just seems to have followed this 2016 Georgia football team and their fans for the entire season. It's never good to lose to the Jackets, only the third time in the past 16 years. All in Athens, by the way. And obviously, as you'll hear later in this podcast, it might be a good idea for Georgia, the athletic administration, coaches, players, and fans, to collectively agree to never lose to Georgia Tech and Sanford Stadium again. Because when that happens, a symbolic horticultural structure that all UGA fans hold dear are left to be torn and ripped apart in a ritual that Tech, and only Tech, seems to participate in. The disappointing part is that somehow, over the years, the UGA Athletic Department has done nothing to really curtail it from happening. And one more thing. The rivalry is referred to as good, clean, old-fashioned hate. But to me, good and clean are and should be the operative words of that phrase. But obviously not to Georgia Tech. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to Episode 72 of the and Since Last Saturday podcast. My co-hosts Tony Waller and Will Leach join me for our recap of the Georgia-Georgia Tech game. The dogs and first-year head coach Kirby Smart finished the regular season seven and five, with nothing really left to do but wait and see which lower-tier bowl game comes calling.
2: Uh, obviously that was frustrating. I have to say, we we all met afterwards. Thanks to the people that came out there. Well, met afterwards at South Kitchen and Bar uh, post game. I found myself less outraged than everybody else. Is that just because I don't have the hatred for Georgia Tech that I'm supposed to have? to me i look at the vast spectrum this season i'm like yep clearly some coaching mistakes at the end the type of thing that we've known they've been working on but it's not like to me that i saw enough good stuff this season this loss didn't make me as angry as it seemed to make everybody else am i in the wrong on that one
0: i think part of it i got i kind of got there last night and the part of it to me is that this 2016 was very much like 2001
1: what about 2010
0: no 2010 that's a Terrible example. Mark Rick had been here nine years in. Okay. And I, and I and I'm not saying I'm not saying I, I get why you want to look at that because that was a conversation Wayne and I had at dinner last night. But you know, one of the things that um the, the things I keep coming back to is we saw a lot of the same things, you know, baby coach learning on a national stage to have on the job training on national television. I mean it's just terrible. But you know, with that's the that's the program we are. And I think you want to be careful to rush to, you know, real big, broad conclusions about the Kirby Smart era based on one season, and I think that's the danger that that we're running up against already with the, you ought not ever to lose to Vanderbilt and Georgia Tech crowd, and I, I agree with that sentiment, but if in year two and three we're still doing some of the same dumb things, you know, despite our, you know, we, we can't get our own way despite our better angels to open it up, you know, to actually win a game instead of trying not to lose a game, then yeah, hey, we'll have that conversation. But I think I agree with you, Will, and I'm I'm in a much better place now that we're 24 hours removed from it. But still, it's still frustrating, probably because it's tech.
1: I think the the problem, looking on the season as a whole, with 12 games under our belt, the fact that Georgia was up in quite a few games that they lost. You know, I guess you could discount the Ole Miss game; they were never in that game. But pretty much the other four losses, they had a chance to put a team away. They had a chance to put Vanderbilt away. They had a chance to really drive a stake into Georgia Tech because they had held the ball for about 30 minutes of the first three quarters, if that makes sense. I mean, there's a they, they had three quarters of the ball control. They had 368 yards of offense. And then the fourth quarter happens. And you could almost feel, and maybe it's just because we're so close and we go to every game, but you could just kind of feel this tension building. A tension that was not there for the Auburn game, funny enough. But attention building because of just the plotting play, it looked like everything was extra calculated and they were playing not to lose and definitely did not have the foot on the gas. I think the Falcons, and I've watched a lot of NFL, but I think the Falcons are very similar pace of play with the Bulldogs because today against the Arizona Cardinals, and I'm not doing this on purpose, Will, but today was the first game I've seen the Falcons put a team away without having to have the white knuckle part of it. So... I think it's just it's like what Tony says, and I guess it has to go back to the whole learning on the job. It's easy for us as casual observers or fervent observers to sit there and say, oh, well, you need to do this or you need to do that. It's got to be a lot harder when you have the headphones on on the field, something that I've never experienced and I'm sure most listeners have never experienced. It's just I've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. I can't be angry about it. I'm disappointed in the loss. I'm angry about something else that I'll get into later. Okay. But I'm going to have to say, look, this is year one, kind of like what Tony said, and we're just going to have to move on.
2: Yeah. I I am more sympathetic to the it's year one argument than to the well, we've never done it argument. Because, I mean, yeah, that's while that's true, you know, certainly there's a lot of money being paid to this guy and we can compare him to other coaches. And, you know, I, I tend to feel like the corner has generally been turned. And I was the reason I was less upset about this loss was because. You know, again, we saw such improvement, just like we talked about in the podcast last week. We saw such improvement in the coaching staff. Things going the right direction. And we saw that, frankly, for most of this game. So for me, this is another lesson. This is a, you have to floor it late. And the advantage that, by the way, the Falcons had, as opposed to Georgia, the Falcons were playing a team that was very happy, that is ready for its season to be over, (laughs) and is ready for this to be done, and it's just been a complete flop job all year. So uh, Georgia Tech, unfortunately, was still still playing for something. So, um
1: for the record, Will is a huge Arizona Cardinals fan.
2: Yes, and I have seen this is, I was just texting with some friends of mine that are Arizona Cardinal fans about how there have been a lot worse Arizona Cardinals scenes, but this is definitely the most infuriating team. And to me, to relate that to Georgia, there was a time where this season looked like it was going to be a, it was going to careen out of control, and it didn't. So for me to get one last lesson at the end of this year, which is you got to floor it late. I saw on Dog Nation that according to the ESPN probability index, that Georgia had a ninety eight percent chance of winning wow. this game. After that, after when Georgia Tech had the ball in like their own four with seven half minutes late, but to me that is well, one hand, It's like wow, well, they should have had that. You have to take care of that game and. To me, the lessons learned there. This is one more lesson to be learned in a year that's really been all about learning lessons the entire time so that's why i feel like this is if this happens next year in this game or next year in a key game late then we have to have a more serious conversation but you know this was what happened we've talked about this all year this is what happens when you hire someone that has not coached before clearly a smart guy clearly a good recruiter clearly someone that's that that knows what he's doing generally speaking but he's going to learn these lessons on the job this was another one unfortunately it was against uh, a georgia rival that is uh I was driving back from Atlanta. I had a TV this, the TV appearance on Sunday morning. I was driving back from Atlanta, and there was already a sign on the interstate, one of those electric signs, of Georgia Techs uh, celebrating their victory over Georgia. So, so that was already happening. That, I, I know I'm, I'm, I didn't grow up with the rivalry, but that annoyed me. So I can imagine what it would be like for, for any longtime Georgia fans their, their entire life. Because it's certainly frustrating to lose to that team. But again, it's, I put it in the lesson as opposed to something,
0: any sort of mortal blow.
2: Well, can we get into the celebration part?
0: I was just about to say, I think I can set uh, Scott up here by saying, you know, tech doesn't handle winning well. <laughs>
1: the the way you look at it, what is our moniker? It's scribbled across T-shirts. It's set about town all the time. It's almost like a rallying cry at times because one of the last things you hear on the video message when they're hyping up the crowd, when they do the Saturday in Athens, what do they say? They say, it's time to tee it up between the hedges. And yes, I'm talking about Plants. I'm talking about Privet. That's the the plant that that grows around Sanford Stadium. It's been there since nineteen twenty nine. Okay. And it is a hallowed ground that no Georgia fan desecrates. I don't even try to take a little pinch of it when I'm walking in with my kids to like say, Hey, here's a picture. You don't touch it. And so to see Georgia Tech come in, and yes, they've done it the past two times in 2014 and then this year, and they've done it previous times, but to have to have them come in here and really just deface property and act like raging lunatics that have never won a football game of any significance ever before. If y'all looked at that, when when the clock struck zero, they didn't go out and celebrate on the field. Well, some did, to go and just rip out huge chunks of those pieces. And and you know where you see it? You see it on the front page of the AJC today. You see it on the front page of the Athens Banner Herald. It's all over online. And you know what you don't hear? You don't hear anybody from Kirby Smart to Greg McGarrity. Hello, Greg McGarrity. Paging Greg McGarrity. You don't hear anybody say, this is going to stop. Don't touch our hedges. You might win a game. You're going to win more games here. You can plant your flag. You can stomp on the G. We don't care. But don't touch our hedges.
0: My answer to that is the big Tech. You can't count on I, – I get what you're they're saying. They're the only just, team
1: that does that. They're the only team that does that.
0: I'm saying you can't count on Tech to behave reasonably in that way. They've never shown they're willing to, so –
1: I don't expect tech to police themselves because if the athletic department does not say, hey, athletic director Stansberry, I think that's the new athletic director, write them an official letter saying, okay, going forward, do not touch our hedges or else you will be sent a bill or we will somehow...
2: I guess that that feels a little we're going to build the wall and make them pay for it. Uh I No, I'll, no, I'll, no. Come on. <laughs> come on, Will. There's no there's no bill. Like the, the the fact is the best way to get people to attack your hedges is to say don't attack our hedges. Like I'm sorry but Tony's right. Like I think they're dicks for doing this, but come on. Don't lose. <laughs> like this is what like like this is what happened. I'm not saying it's okay. It's not okay. But I mean the best way to look like uh, like they shouldn't have done it. I agree, but the best way to make sure it doesn't happen is to not lose. And I'm not saying it's okay, but the idea that we're going to, like, write a strongly worded letter is, like, they're they're their big rival. They have nothing like the hedges. So, of course, they're going to do something like that. And for what it's worth, by the way, like, we've seen other schools, like, we all laughed when Auburn got its tree burned. Like, we all chuckled. Like, the idea that, like, like this is sacred to us, and I agree. I love the hedges. It's, it's embarrassing that someone would mess with that. But, I mean, getting in these kind of, like, well, don't, like, it makes georgia look like sore losers in those regards they should not do that but like telling the athletic director don't do that i agree if georgia wants to make a spend the money to put massive security around the hedges they can do that but the idea that we're gonna like somehow stop this is it's annoying and i'm sure it feels better for us all to vent and call them all jerks because they are jerks for doing it but this is not a problem that can like be solved other than don't lose
0: Scott, I would say though that if I were the AD, and if I were Kirby Smart, I'd pick up the phone. I mean, you you send a letter. You're inviting all kinds of you're inviting all kinds of nonsense involving you know look what they did and all this stuff. But you do make a phone call and say, look, you're I, know, and, but, because I get it. I get, I get one in a memento, right? And it's fine taking a, a small piece or whatever. It's not fine to go and rip it up. But that's what that's the phone call I have. I was like, you know, I'm going to uh, I don't know I'm gonna. I'm gonna send um, I'm gonna send Mudcat Elmore's car to your house or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, metaphorically, whatever that would be, because I, I I get what you're saying, and I was infuriated about it too because it's it's infuriating. But I you know I actually sat down on the sports blog, was gonna write an open letter, you know, a dear, um, Paul Johnson letter or whatever. He's got bigger fish to fry. But um, and I thought, no, that's just you you stop them by beating tech. That's how you stop it.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of strange to me to think that we've lost a lot of games in Savage Stadium, and you don't see – I mean, Vanderbilt won a historic game this year. You didn't see them doing that, and we play them every year. We play Tech every year. Tennessee won an amazing – had an amazing last-second victory. You didn't see them go and pillage. So it just says something about the the childishness of Tech players and, and their administration that they would encourage that or say, hey, you know, Go on and do that, or that's their thing, I guess. I mean, if that, if that makes them happy, it, you're right. We're not going to stop it. You can't build a wall, like you said. You Maybe you could throw a tarp on it. That'd be cheap, uh, a way to do it, you know, like if you anticipated a victory. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. But it's infuriating, and uh, it just it's only them. Now, if other teams did that, then it would start to be a problem, and you know today social media is pretty strong. Some uh, team that's coming in here next year might see that and say, "Okay, well we're going to do that too," and then it becomes a big problem.
0: Well, keep in mind Georgia Tech is they they celebrate every time an Uga dies.
1: So I know.
2: I, yeah, know. I mean, I know you
0: can't you can't fix trash.
1: <laughs> you said that that was very well said.
2: Uh, do we want to wrap up anything final on the game? Can we talk about? The turnover that really cost the whole thing, particularly the one, not only the turnover that really gave Georgia Tech the chance to come back, but the turnover that happened right after Georgia took one of its last two timeouts, a timeout that it could really use. Uh, I talked about the, the, uh, the learning process of the coaching, but that was definitely one of those, like learning process or not, that was... Pretty dunderheaded all around on a game that, generally speaking, I thought was well called for for the most part. And I thought Sony Michelle obviously had a great game. They worked both the running backs well in there, and then I think used Eason smartly uh, down the field when they had to, without putting too much of the shoulders. The the game was play called so called so well for most of the game, but then you know not just not putting the foot on the gas. The whole sequence was just kind of baffling. To let alone to put Easton in a position to make that kind of mistake when you need to be running the clock down and to call that play after a timeout, it was a pretty baffling thing all around.
0: The bigger picture is we had a lot of success running the football, and we had we just decided in the fourth quarter that we were going to run the ball in the middle. It made zero sense. We were we were bumping the ball outside. We had them off balance. We had some good runs in the middle, but they decided they were going to stack the box and you know make Easton beat us. And we ran zero jet sweeps to McKenzie. We ran zero downfield passes to McKenzie. He touched the ball three times. Um, one time was a punt return, and one time was a short touchdown pass. Another time was a screen behind um, behind the line when one of the tight ends just whipped on a completely whipped on the block. Again, he's the fastest guy on the field. He has to touch the ball ten times. If if, if you're not turning, you're not making them punt the ball to him. Then he, you got to do that on offense. That was probably my biggest frustration. Is that that was a tailor made situation to run a jet sweep with McKenzie because they they had at that point they were putting seven and eight in the box and you, you send him around the end the, the same pass that scored the touchdown on uh, the same play that scored the touchdown on Newell Monroe. That was going to be there. For, it like eight yards every time on that drive.
1: Also, the least they could have done was maybe run a toss sweep and just tell the whoever the running back was. They probably wouldn't need to tell him because they're, they're so experienced. But you'd say, look, just don't go to bounds. If you know you're not going to get it, fall down. We're going to get Bryce Ramsey out there, try to punt him deep, and then play some defense. So it's a tough pass to complete because probably even if he does catch it, He's not going to get the eight yards or his momentum's going to carry him out of bounds because it was kind of heading towards that sideline. They were going to throw a pass. I would have rather seen like a champ Bailey tunnel screen called where you're coming, kind of coming over the middle, but you know, that that was a tough play call. But um, if it would have been successful, we'd have been like, wow, that was a great call.
0: Well, one of the things too, that, that, and will I think you alluded to this or maybe Scott, you did um, about the way that felt. It felt like, Defensively, we had a lot less fire in the fourth quarter for some reason. Yeah. Uh, it, it almost we had a high, I think the team had a high pucker factor
1: yeah. um,
0: in the fourth I, quarter. I, I, think right. he, I don't know how or why that started, but you're right. The Auburn game never felt like it was going to end badly. Nope. And this game had all the feeling and had all the feeling like it was going to after about. I don't know. Really, after George check out the ball back with six minutes left.
1: Yeah. It really did. Well, and I think Georgia's, what, 125th in red zone defense in the nation. There's only 128 teams. So maybe that's why we all felt the way we did.
0: I think one of the things we'll want to do is we'll want to do more of an autopsy on on (laughs) season-wide stats because I've got one that that I can't get my head around right now, and that is we are plus 8 on turnovers, um, but teams have outscored us by 20 points on points off turnovers. (laughs)
1: So. <laughs> That's amazing. That's
0: incredible. Incredible.
2: That is insane. That's absolutely insane.
1: Well, and I think one of the the big things they need to do in um, recruiting or to shore up in the off season is receivers and receivers catching passes because Ridley had a critical drop and Nada had two critical drops, one at the fourth quarter, which maybe would have set Blankenship up for a last minute field goal, and you know a lot of it has to do with the the touch that Eason puts on the ball. Maybe he's not hitting him um, extremely in stride, but those drop passes, uh, you know, the, those will haunt you. I mean, just ask Tony back in what, what year was it? Uh, gosh, ninety-eight or something at Georgia, Florida, a number oh. eight dropped to pass across yeah. the middle. God.
0: Come on,
2: sorry, Come on, sorry man.
0: <laughs> Come on, Edwards, catch the ball. Yeah. yeah, I think we all, I think we all have that. Meanwhile,
2: Malcolm Mitchell, by the way, I don't know if you guys what Malcolm Mitchell's been doing the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, he is, uh, he is stepped up. He, yeah, he had the... he's good to see. We and we miss him. How do okay. we miss him?
2: All right, so currently, I'm sure we'll talk more about this later, but right now, bowl projections, we're a week away from knowing that, but hey, just to note, SB Nation, they're the lowest on Georgia, has them playing South Florida in the Birmingham Bowl on December 29th, so we'll all be going to that if that happens, right? No, I think it's going to be TCU and the Liberty Bowl. TCU and Liberty Bowl, yeah, I think that's what CBS has too.
0: Yeah, that fills that in the the Music City Bowl, but that's fine. You know, we're we aren't cool enough. We don't have we don't have beards and we wear tie roll jeans. So we don't understand their line of thinking over there. <laughs> yeah, we uh, can't possibly uh, understand their, uh, you know, their locally grown hot takes. Yes, yes. We cannot uh, do his podcast with gifts.
2: Um,
1: well, it, it, was it not? It, it was a little bit pleasing. It was a lot pleasing to see Vanderbilt take care of yeah. Butch Jones's uh, Champions of Life team.
2: Oh, my God. He got a participation trophy for life. Imagine <laughs> how upset we would be if they, if we were Tennessee. This was our – You remember, this was supposed I to be Tennessee's I know. Year. So, so, this so Georgia
1: fans, don't feel so bad because there are people that feel a lot worse than we do. Exactly. Exactly.
2: Um, all right, guys. Well, uh, uh, we'll, uh, maybe well, I'm sure I don't know when we're going to chat again, but we we will chat again. And uh, uh, Otherwise, I find myself already – Uh, I drove past Sanford Stadium today and I was like, oh, man, there's no games until September (laughs) There, and got really
0: bummed out about it. Yeah, it's funny. I tweeted I miss football already. And I had a lot of people at me about, oh, no, it's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's just it's just fun. Yesterday afternoon sucked, but it was fun. It was fun getting together at at South Kitchen. It was great that Jim would stop by. UJ. UJ. Carey stopped by. We had a good afternoon after after the loss. I thought it was a, it was a good time, and you know we we got to hang out and, and with our kids and be you know we got to enjoy um enjoy Ohio State beating Michigan. So,
1: and if you uh, podcast listeners like entertaining podcasts, then you need to pull for a Georgia Indiana matchup in the Music
0: City Bowl. Shut up, man! Come on, <laughs> I've already said that's like a ugh, worst case scenario for me. Um, just uh, cause my, my wife is, is from Indiana and that is, I think, like, Will, you said it, it is like, that is like, yay, we're playing Georgia. And it's like, God, we're playing Indiana. Yes,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the, that's, that's the, the future we...
0: Georgia, Illinois bowl. <laughs> uh, uh, the takes are going to be hot. Yes,
2: they will be hot. Um, nevertheless, I missed the season already. I'm with you, Tony, but otherwise, uh, yeah, that you guys have convinced me that sucked.
0: But still, go dogs. Go dogs.
1: And thanks so much for listening. I apologize to anyone, maybe all five of you, wanting to hear about our Pick'em Contest. After the events of Saturday, it was far from mine and Tony's mind to broadcast an update. But I'll make a note of it, and we will talk about it on our next show. So when is our next show? Good question. There's a good chance we'll take the remainder of the week off and come back sometime after the bowls and the playoffs are set. During our break, we will be active on all social media, Twitter to be exact. And if you'd like to comment about this show or where you might think the dogs will land for the bowl game, hit us up at WSLS podcast. I would also be interested to hear if any of you listeners would attend a music city bowl or Liberty bowl or Birmingham bowl matchup. Again, thanks so much for making us part of your podcast routine. The three of us greatly appreciate all of your attention, comments, questions, and interactions going off script now, but have a great week. Monday might not seem so bad after what we experienced on Saturday, unless you work with a bunch of tech fans or, or taking it extra special hard, but hopefully we'll see you on campus sometime very soon, maybe for some basketball games, but until then take care and go dogs.